Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. The Book of Psalms is a book of poetry, prayers, and songs that people wrote to God, prayed to God, and even used to lead others in the worship of God. The Psalms give us insight into what a relationship with God looks like and examples of how we can pour out our joys, fears, and our heart's desires to God. Join us weekly as we spend the summer in Psalms. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you here in Granby as well as online. We're glad you're here. We'll help you. hope that you'll continue to join us every Sunday. We're in the middle of this series called Summer in the Psalms, and today we're going to look at Psalm 119. So let me just start off with a little story about God's Word. Kathleen Norris shares a humorous story in her book, Amazing Grace, and it's actually a story that illustrates the challenge to get us to read God's Word. She's uh, visiting a man, and this man's a rugged, self-made man. His name is Arlo, and this is what she wrote. She said, during the visit, Arlo started talking to me about his grandfather. And his grandfather was a sincere Christian, and his grandfather gave Arlo and his bride a wedding present, and it was an expensive, leather-bound Bible, and he had had it embossed with their names on the front in gold, and Arlo said, you know, when he gave it to me, I I left it in the box, and I put it up on the shelf in the closet, Uh, but, you you know, it seemed like every month afterward, when I saw my grandfather, he would ask me if I liked the Bible, and I couldn't figure it out, because, you know, my wife had written him a nice thank you note for it, and, and I had told him thank you time and time again, but for some reason, my grandfather couldn't let it go. Finally, he said, I got curious enough to open the Bible. And that's when I discovered that the joke was on me. I finally took it out of the box, out of the closet, and my grandfather had placed a $20 bill at the heading of every chapter in the Bible, over $1,300. And I would have never found it if Grandpa hadn't persisted. And I had not opened the Bible. Now, if you're like that guy, and somebody gave you a Bible, and you tucked it away up on a shelf someplace, I bet sometime today you're going to go and pull that Bible out and say, well, let's see if they put a $20 bill in front of every chapter. Um, You know, today we're going to be looking at the importance of knowing and reading the Bible as we look at Psalm 119, because Psalm 119 is all about God's Word. Now, it's a unique psalm. Because it's one of the, it is the longest psalm uh, in the Bible. It's 176 verses, and, and a couple of people have joked with me this week, if, if I were to read it word for word, it would take me longer than a normal sermon. So I'm not going to do that this morning, okay? Um, and it's an interesting psalm because it is an acrostic form. If you know anything about an acrostic, um, it can be, uh, acrostics are not just in scripture, they can also be in poetry. Uh, they are a, a story, a poem, uh, where uh, either every first line or every first paragraph, the letter of that line is either a letter in the alphabet, going in alphabetical order, or it spells out a word. Well, in this instance, it's from the Hebrew alphabet, and it's going, Psalm 119 goes through the entire Hebrew alphabet. 
So that, that's why it's an acrostic. Now, as I said, it's all about God's word. Specifically, it calls God's word. It calls scripture God's law. Now, if you think that sounds dry, if you think that sounds boring, uh, consider these words from one scholar who wrote this. The beauty of this psalm lies not only in the recitation of devotion to God's law, God's word, but in the psalmist's absolute devotion to the Lord. This is a psalm not only of law, but of love. Not only of statute, but of spiritual strength. Not only of devotion to precept, but of loyalty to the way of the Lord. The beauty in this psalm resounds from the relationship of the psalmist to God. And it's something that I believe God wants us to emulate in our own lives. Now, uh, looking at God's law may uh, feel a little legalistic, but remember, the, the first five books of the Old Testament are called the Torah. That's law in Hebrew, and it's anything but boring. If you've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you know that it's anything but boring. Now, the word law has a, can have a broad and a narrow meaning. In the broad sense, it refers to the instruction flowing from the revelation of God as the basis for our life. And for our actions. And in the narrow sense, it, it can denote the specific Torah, the, the law of Moses. So today, we're going to take a sampling of Psalm 119. Uh, but here's my challenge to you. Open your Bible this week. Open it to Psalm 119. And just spend some time reading it, thinking about it, meditating on it. And, and ask God as you pull the Bible out to read it. God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to hear? What's in this for me today? So let's walk through this. We're going to talk about those headings that that scholar talked about. It's a psalm. Psalm 119 is a psalm of law and of love. So I'm going to read verses 97 through 104. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Pastor Warren Wearsby writes this, never have there been so many tools available for serious Bible study, and we're grateful for all of them. However, the Word of God is unlike any other book. It, we must be on good terms with the author if we are to learn from what he has written. Our relationship to the Lord is determined by our relationship to his will, and that is determined by how we relate to his Word. Too many believers have only academic head knowledge of the Word, but they do not know how to put this knowledge into practice in the decisions of daily life. What we all need is a heart knowledge of the word, he says. And that means being taught by our God. And then, of course, we need to follow it with all of our hearts. 
In Psalm 119, uh, in this section, we see a rejection, in, in, in the, the psalm itself, we see a rejection of following God's law implies a rejection of loving God. But, but in this section, with that in mind, when we love God, then we must love God's word. And the psalmist says, we need to meditate on it all day long. Now, meditation isn't some crazy skill you have to develop. To meditate on Scripture is simply thinking about it over and over, thinking about what it means, how it applies, how you can live it out in your daily life. It's really like what we do when we worry. You know, we mull things over. We think of the worst-case scenarios oftentimes when we worry, but meditating is in the positive vein, thinking about the best case scenario about how God's word can apply to our life, how it can be lived out. And the psalmist acknowledges that there are all kinds of ways to learn. Uh, we can learn, he writes, from our encounters with our enemies. Uh, we can uh, learn from those who teach us. Now, uh, for the, those who are headed back to school, uh, remember what it says. You have more wisdom than your teachers if you listen to God's word. It also says that we can learn from those who have experienced more life than us, who, who have been down the road of life a little bit more. But, but ultimately, what it says is that God's word teaches us more than all of those experiences. God's word is the premier teacher in our lives. And when we learn from God's word, then we learn to love it. And when we learn to love it, then we obey it because we know that God will bless us through what he teaches us to do. And when we find that blessing from obeying God's word, the psalmist says that God's word is sweeter than honey to us. Philosopher Emile Calais was born in a small French village near the end of the 19th century. And he was a, a man whose early education was, was committed to naturalism, basically leaving no room for God in his studies or in his life or in any of human affairs. But as he turned 20, his studies were sidelined. He was called into service in World War I. And he discovered that his study of philosophy really left little help for what he experienced on the front lines of World War I. He was confronted with the horrors of war, and he questioned if there was any meaning at all to life by what he saw and what he experienced. Now, eventually, Calais was wounded, and he spent nine months in a hospital. And when he was discharged and he resumed his graduate studies, he said he had to admit that his books no longer seemed like the same books, nor was there the motivation that he had before. Reading at length in philosophy and literature, he found himself probing in depth for meaning. For meaning. And this is what he wrote. He said, I had a longing for a book that would understand me. I knew of no such book. So I decided I would prepare one of my own for my own private use. And so as I went through all the reading of my courses, I would find passages that spoke to me and I would write them down in a leather-bound book just for me. And he writes, the day came when I felt like I had finished this book. And so uh, I knew this book would understand me. And so on a sunny day, he says he went and he sat down and he opened his, his precious anthology of those passages that he had written down. 
And as he read, he was overcome by a growing disappointment. He knew that the whole undertaking would not work simply because it was of his own making. It carried no strength of persuasion. So in a dejected mood, he put his little book away. Ironically, on that same day, Calais' wife had come into the possession of a Bible. Now, this was a big deal because Emile had basically been adamant that no religion would come into their house. It was taboo. In fact, at the age of 23, he himself had actually never seen a Bible. But at the end of that disappointing day, when his wife tried to explain to him how she had picked up a copy of the Bible and brought it into the house because she thought he was going to be mad and angry, he was actually eager to see it. And so this is what he wrote about what happens next. I literally grabbed the book and rushed to my study with it. I opened it and chanced, as he put in quotes, Upon the Beatitudes, I read and I read and I read, now aloud with an indescribable warmth surging within. I could not find words to express my awe and wonder. And suddenly the realization dawned upon me, this was the book that would understand me. I needed it so much, yet unaware I had attempted to write my own in vain. I continued to read deeply into the night, mostly from the Gospels, and lo and behold, as I looked through them, the one of whom they spoke, the one who spoke and acted in them, became alive to me. When Emile Calais encountered God's word, he encountered the living God, and he fell in love with God and God's word, and it changed his life forever. Eventually, it led him in 1947 to be appointed to the chair of Christian philosophy at Princeton Theological University. You see, if we love God, we're going to love the word of God. And when we do that, it's going to change us forever. Like Psalm 119 points out, it's going to change us. We're going to love it. It's going to be like honey to our lips. Psalm 119 is a psalm of laws and of love, and it's a psalm also of statutes and spiritual strength. Let's look at verses 25 through 32. The psalmist writes, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I gave an account of my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes. Lord, do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. You know, as we read those verses, we see that the psalmist has encountered some adversities in his life. He says that he's been laid low in the dust. You ever been laid low in the dust of life? Yeah. You live long enough, you will be. And then the psalmist says, preserve my life. In the Hebrew, we need to understand that preserve my life in the Hebrew has a fuller meaning than just save my life. It carries with it the idea of invigorating his life, 
our lives, of, of breathing newness into our life. So what does the psalmist do when he's laid low? He turns to God's word with its decrees and with its precepts and its stories of the wonderful deeds that God has done. And why does he do this? Because he knows that God will strengthen him with his word. Verse 28 says, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. You know, that should be the prayer for every single Christian at this moment in history. Think about that. You know, we are all weary. We're, we're laid low in the dust from, from the polarization that's going on in our world right now, from the pandemic, from the division in our country, and which obviously has slipped into the body of Christ. We have to recognize that the things that are dividing our world, politics and, and race and vaccines and masks, are just things that God doesn't want to divide us, but which Satan does want to divide us. The division in our culture is also affecting everyone who claims Christ. Our souls are weary. And our response as Christians should be, God, strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me according to your word. So that we ask God to bolster us spiritually, not in the ways of the world. Not in the arguments of the world, but in faithfulness to him. You see, we always have to be careful that we don't insert the ways of culture or our own wills into the understanding and application of God's word. This comes across in verse 29 when it says, keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me. Teach me your law. And then he states, he has chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. Pastor Tim Keller writes this. We can't truly understand the scripture unless we make a basic commitment saying, whatever I find in your word, God, I will do. What if we all prayed that? What if we all lived that out? Whatever I find in your word, God, I will do. Now that seems restrictive, but actually there's great freedom in that. The statutes of God give us strength, but, but only if we're committed to following them now look, I'll be the first to admit that there are things in the Bible that are difficult to follow. They're, they're downright hard to follow. But God has also promised to fill us with his spirit, to give us the strength to obey his will and not our will. God is amazingly gracious and generous. And he'll forgive us when we disobey and he'll redirect us with his word. And it's in that obedience into God's word that we will find strength. Let me share a story of how, God, how God's word can strengthen us. Uh, Pastor Gordon McDonald writes that in the fall of 1956, he began his first year at the Stony Brook School in New York. And among uh, the required courses in his senior year was called Senior Bible. And it was taught by the school's headmaster, Dr. Frank Cablin, a man who required them to memorize 300 verses of Scripture over the course of their senior year. He said if Dr. Gablin met a student on the pathway from the classroom to the dining hall, he might say, Gordon, give me John 13, 34. And he expected you to recite that verse from memory without faltering. 
One of the passages that Gordon writes that they tasked they were tasked to memorize was Psalm 46. And he said, for days, we memorized and recited and memorized and recited until Psalm 46 was really a part of us. The Psalm itself says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be moved and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. He writes, in the spring of 1957, senior Bible ended. We put away our index cards we graduated from Stony Brook and we went off to college. He said, occasionally I returned to Psalm 46. As a pastor, I preached on it a few times. But then he comes to the current time. And this was actually a few years ago. He says, now 56 years later, a few days ago, my doctor called me and said, Gordon, I have some difficult news for you. There's a tumor in the back of your head, in the lining of your brain. It's not malignant, but it's going to have to come out. I have spent, Gordon writes, my whole life helping people face calls like that. And now it was my turn. And the very first thing that began to surge through my mind was, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed. When I was a teenager, a brilliant, godly man pumped me full of scripture. But now his efforts were paying off. Thanks to Dr. Gablin and Psalm 46, I was concerned and cautious, but I wasn't inclined to be fearful because he was committed to God's word, because God's word was something he loved and God was something he loved. Gordon was able to find strength in the face of a deadly, life-changing surgery. Now, by the way, Gordon came through that medical crisis, and he, uh, that was more than eight years ago, and he is thriving and still finding strength in God's words. I've had the blessing to be on some Zoom training calls with him this year, and just a blessing to see this man continue to love God's word and share it with people in his 80s. Psalm 119 is a psalm of statutes where we find spiritual strength. And it's also a psalm of precepts where we see and find and experience loyalty to the Lord. So let me read verses 57 through 64. You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps in your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked blind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I will rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you and to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Now, it's interesting. Uh, the psalmist uses an interesting phrase to describe the Lord as his portion. What, what's that referring to? You know, this is a reference back to when Israel took possession of the land of Canaan. The land was divided amongst the tribes of Israel. Now, there were 12 tribes, and the promised land was divided amongst 11 tribes. But one tribe did not get any portion of land. They were told that the Lord was their portion. This was the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi was made up of the priests and those who served in the ministry of worship. They were not given a portion of the land. Instead, their portion 
or their inheritance was the Lord. And it's the most important portion. It's the portion you and I want. In this portion of the psalm, we see his loyalty to the Lord as he promises to follow him and be obedient to him because he's experienced the continued blessings of following and obeying the precepts of God's word through the good times and through the bad times. On the mountaintops and on the valleys low, he has seen God take him through those times. And he's been loyal. Now, I was thinking about that word, loyal. Loyalty is uh, really not a word that I believe I've ever used before in preaching about our relationship to God. But loyalty is what God desires from us. He desires our loyalty, our faithfulness, our obedience. And, and we can identify this because we all know what it's like to have a loyal friend. And we also know what it's like to have someone who's been disloyal to us. And God desires us to be faithful and obedient to him and to be loyal to him. Loyalty to God is seen in our faithfulness to following God's word and making it a part of our daily intake. Loyalty to God is found in reading God's word and obeying it. So Psalm 119 is a psalm that challenges us to be faithful every day and to be loyal to God every day. You know, there's, there's so much in Psalm 119. As I said, it's, it's a psalm of laws, but it's also a psalm of love. It's a psalm of statutes where we find spiritual strength, and it's a psalm of precepts that remind us of what it means to be loyal to the Lord because God has been continually loyal and faithful to us. But let's think about that. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus says, you need to be in the world, but not of the world. We have to live in this world, in this culture. Jesus says, live in it, but don't be of it. In other words, don't embrace all of its teachings, all of its values, because most of them are not going to align with God's word. So, Think about these truths that we've been looking at in Scripture about God's Word. And think about this. Unless we open God's Word, unless we open the Bible, unless we make time for it, other things in this culture and world are going to squeeze it out. You and I have only so much time in this world, and we can spend that time uh, watching television or binge-watching our favorite shows. We can spend that time consuming our favorite news media, or we can spend that time scrolling through social media. But how much of that time do we spend on God's Word? Do we take it in? Do we focus on it? Do we meditate on it? Do we memorize it? How much time do we spend focusing on the things of God? Going through a crisis, and look, we've been going through a crisis for months. We need to put our focus not on the pandemic, not on the craziness of our culture, but we need to focus on God. And he's going to walk us through these challenging times. 
one day, I promise you this, one day we'll be on the other side of this and we can say, yeah, I was loyal to God. I was faithful. I followed him instead of getting caught up in the crazy. Or we can say, I struggled to focus on God. I struggled to stay loyal to him and I wish I had. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we get ready to pray. But this is what I want to pray. And I want to invite you into this prayer time. Into this prayer time, I want you to spend some time doing some business with God. And by business, you may need to confess, God, my Bible's been tucked on a shelf in the closet, literally or figuratively. My Bible has not been cracked or opened. You know, the reality is this, as I quoted earlier, we have more tools to study the Bible than ever before in the history of the world. But are we using them? And again, it's not just study to get knowledge. It's study to live in relationship with God. You know, one of the biggest challenges I find as someone who preaches God's word is the person who's looking for a new nugget of knowledge that they've never heard but you know they're not being obedient to what they've already heard and that's what God calls us to do so in this prayer time if you need to confess that to God I want to encourage you to do so if you need to commit to following Jesus because you've never have I'm going to lead you in a prayer for that if you need to make a commitment to do whatever it takes to be loyal to God and his word, then do that. Don't pass up this moment. So let's pray. And after the end of that, the worship team is going to invite us to stand and sing a new song. God, as we come into this time, we confess that we have not been loyal to you and following your word. So forgive us. Some of us could even confess that we've not even followed you. So if that's you, I invite you to do this today, to tell him that you believe in him. So very simply, put these phrases in your own words. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died and rose again to save me from my sin. I accept his forgiveness for my sinful life. And now I commit to following him. Lord, in this silence, we want to talk to you about our faithfulness to you and our obedience to your word. So go ahead, in these 30 seconds, just reach out to God and speak to him. Father, you are a good God. We love you, and we love your word. We thank you for your forgiveness, and we commit to being faithful and obedient to you because we want to live with you in our lives. We want you to be the king of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.